being an entrepreneur in Colorado is like being on a team that you don't know you're on. Because I can pick up the phone mm. and call folks, and there's connections everywhere in the wow. state. I think they're proud to be here. I think if you're an entrepreneur, there's quick connections because of like-minded activities. Mm -hmm. You're doing things outdoors, typically. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's what I found, is people are willing to help, and they're willing to give you, you know, almost mentoring without you having to go and ask for it. It's, it's like a team you don't know you're on. Welcome to ProCo 360. I'm your host, Dave Tabor. This show is for people who love Colorado and who are fascinated with stories of Colorado companies and their leaders. Success looks different here. Our lives are multidimensional, and that's why the tagline is live, work, love Colorado. In this episode, I'll be speaking with David Dragoo, CEO of Mayfly Outdoors. This is a Montrose, Colorado company, hand-making beautiful fly fishing Ross Reels and Able Reels. It's a great story of a company that had lost ground in an industry selling to loyal customers and made its way back to great success. We'll talk about that and about marketing to customers who want products to enhance a passionate avocation. Before we jump in, let me give a big thanks to our studio hosts, Dan Lynch and Tony Driscoll here at Cherry Creek Radio, and to Sandy Head, director of the Montrose EDC, for making these introductions. David, thanks for being on ProCo 360. Good to be with you, David. I'm glad you're here. Let's start with a quick sort of overview of Mayfly. Okay. Mayfly was founded in 2012 in Colorado Springs. And really, its mission is to find undermanaged and underfunded businesses in the outdoor industry and turn them around primarily via a product strategy. And fast forward to today, we have about 50 employees, and we are proudly based in Montrose. And David, your products are handmade, right? Talk about that, because so many other products for the outdoor industry now come overseas and all that stuff. Yours are being made here in Montrose by hand. Yeah, I mean, we still do it the old-fashioned way. We think that really adds a lot of value. And there's some things you can't do via automation. And the quality that we have really demands that hand touches are required throughout most of the process. Yeah, and you were kind enough to take me to your facilities before this interview. And um, aside from being pristine and clean, people are really focused. I mean, they had heads down working on assembling these beautiful reels. Yeah, it's, it's very similar to watchmaking in that all the components come together and the, I think the folks, it's very similar to taking an exam. You have to very, I mean, mm. I mean you have to be very focused and diligent when you're doing yeah. it. You know, these are lifetime warranted. And so when mm. they go out, each one is cared for individually. Yeah. Now, you're a passionate fly fisherman. You were telling me you started uh, as a boy fly fishing after mm. the movie A River Runs Through It, right? Who didn't want to be a fly fisherman then? So is that why you wanted these businesses? Because you're talking about buying distressed businesses, but you're really into fishing. Yeah, I think that's what helps to develop our products because we care about you know what we're doing and how they're used. We have a pretty intimate knowledge of that. Most folks that come to work here are very outdoorsy. Yeah. That's sort of in our DNA yeah. as a business. And so whether you fly fish or you camp or you hike or you hunt, it's the same customer. Yeah. And it's the same type of person. But that I mean, when you when you look at these reels, do you think, is that a reel I want to use? I mean, do you try them all? Absolutely. I think we know we've got a winner if it's something that we would buy because we huh. look at these all day. Yeah. Do your employees are like, oh, this is cool. This is cool. I love it. Absolutely. They have a pretty intimate um, um, you know, involvement in the production and, and product development process. Yeah. And we do that on purpose is so they all know what's going on, but also yeah. we get good feedback. From yeah. You know, I, and listeners, I just came, as I mentioned, from David's facility. You guys have like a huge pond out 
outside on your premises that you stock so that employees and their families can fish right at your office, right? Yeah, and they were actually on break when we were there. We had a few folks that were fishing, even though it was raining. Yeah. So we know folks like to spend time there. They like to be at the you know, at the facility after hours. That's the point, right? Yeah. Is, is, is really to be together, you know, whether we're working or not. But so. that's so cool. I mean, it felt awesome to be there. Yeah, it's a great facility. And it I made think me want to work there. Well, it's really kind of uplifted everybody. You know, everyone's now a little bit more organized. They're 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 proud to work there. They bring their yeah. families in, and so. Well, and and when you took over the business, I mean, Ross Reels in particular had lost a lot of ground in the industry, right? You want to talk about that? Yeah, it did. So we took over in in early 2014, and uh, you know, really what we noticed is that there wasn't any product innovation. Hmm. So for for about a decade, they only had a few products you know, that actually had come out. Yeah, but we, do you need do you need innovation in something like fly fishing where it's all about tradition? Well, I think you need to create compelling products that people want, and so yeah. new always wins. And, and hmm. so when you create new, you you know you create a sense of desire from our customers, and and there's new technology that improves and things that incrementally get better. Yeah. But the point is to create products people want, hmm. and so there was no real product development strategy to the business, hmm. and that's really what we brought. So. so you were losing ground to competitors. Is that because you feel like without having like new products, you weren't the product people wanted? Yeah, I think I think that's part of it. And the other thing is that on-time delivery is so important in the industry because our season's so short. Yeah. And so we had to create a production process and a product development process that really lend itself to hitting those deadlines hmm. and then creating new at the same time. So you were losing ground in the industry because you're, in in some in some ways because your production wasn't keeping up with demand that's correct so so a lot of the you know fly fishing season begins april runs through august or september yeah, depending yeah. on where it is and it's even shorter in places like montana and so when you only have two new products that come out in the last hmm. 10 years and we came out with over a dozen within 2 years wow. it really upends the production team and yeah. so we had to basically turn it on its head until we got the right process, I guess. And I've, I've said that word over and over, yeah, but yeah. it's so important when you're, t you know, you're dealing with production, I think. Hmm. So, so how do you, in your mind, like your customers don't really want to think about process and they mm -hmm. don't want to think about production. They don't want to think about that kind of stuff. They want to just think about this great product. So how do you tie that together? I mean, internally you're thinking process and production, but that's not your face to the customer at all, is it? Absolutely not. I think our face to the customer is to give them certainty so they can go on their adventures and they can do what they want. And yeah. we're giving them the tools to do that. Yeah, but isn't it more than that? I mean, it's not just about a quality product. It's some, you said it's something people want. Yeah. So, you know, so many outdoor products in my mind are like aspirational. People feel better about themselves and the way they see themselves in the world based on the products they hold in their hands, right? It's definitely a reflection of, of who they are and what they want, just like the cars we drive. So, yeah. you know, Able, we always refer to it as, you know, the Ferrari of the industry. So you don't have to have a Ferrari, but you, you, but you want one. And mm -hmm. with Ross, we look at it as like a Cadillac. It's great quality and it's still desirable, but it's more accessible to people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, Yeah. Do you find that your, your customers are identifying with your brands differently in the last few years than they did 10 years ago? Absolutely. I think because new typically wins and new is, has this sense of you know, want or you know, desire yeah. to it that I think they go, wow, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd rather align myself with a company like ours that, you know, we give a lot back to conservation and, and mm -hmm. you know, 
you know, things like that. But that's the story that matters only if we make the best product. In the last few years, we've really made the best product. And, yeah. and customers can figure that out? Or how well, are you communicating that? That's a great question. I mean, I think most of our advertising has been within the fly fishing industry, but it's mm-hmm. spread out to more of the, hey, travel industry. It's it's aspirational. It's, it's showing people the places they could be at rather than in a concrete jungle in Chicago. Yeah. They could be in, you know, the Seychelles. Yeah. And that desire is really what we're you know, trying to market is being outside and being in these places. Yeah. How much of your product is sold through retailers? And, and, and by the way, listeners, I'm, I'm talking about fly fishing and I'm talking about fishing reels, but in my mind, this is all about aspirational, high quality users. It could be, it could be a coat. It could be boots. It could be any kind of thing that those of us who live in Colorado love to use. So you know, think it. Think broadly. We're, you may not be a fly fishing person, right? And I'm certainly not. I wish I could, and I'm trying. But you know, so as we contextualize this conversation, like Dave, you, David, you were motivated by fly fishing because you were a fly fisherman. Is the rest of your team engaged in that way too? I mean, did, do you think they're motivated because they're fly fishermen? That's a good question. I think they're motivated to make the best product. It just happens to be fly fishing tools and equipment. Yeah, but I mean, if they were snowshoers or skiers, would they care to be working for you? I think in a different way. I think we would attract more snowshoers and skiers types. But essentially, the machinists and engineers are driven to make the best product. And yeah. yes, they have an intrinsic desire to go fly fishing or be, you know, because they are fly fishermen or women. You know, they're anglers. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, it comes down to just making the best product. That's the number one thing. Yeah. So do people come to work for you because of the skill set they bring? Or are they coming to work for you because like, I want to work for a fly fishing company? I think it's both. I think you have to find the right alignment of that. Plus yeah. they have to want to move, you know, to the Western slope and it's more outdoorsy and it's, it's not, it's, it's not, I mean, the closest big city is Grand Junction. Yeah. It's, a, it's almost an hour and a half away. Yeah. So you, you know, you have to attract a certain type, you know, I think a, they have to align with your values as a business. That's number one. And then we say, okay, what are the skill sets you have? And is, you know, is it a good fit at that point? Then we yeah. have, you know, then yeah. we have a winner. You're, you're going for both. Listeners, a reminder, this is Proco 360. I'm your host, Dave Tabor. This is the show featuring entrepreneurs who could be successful anywhere and choose Colorado. I'm speaking with David Dragoo, CEO of Mayfly Outdoors, the owner of Ross Reels and Able Reels. And this is a great time to thank our sponsors, Community Banks of Colorado, MicroStar Keg Logistics, and Kinsley Meetings. These great service companies support Colorado businesses and entrepreneurs, and they support this show. Thanks also to the Colorado Chamber of Commerce for its support for me and Proco 360. And, and David, let's get back to where you're talking about values. How, what are the values of Mayfly Outdoors? Well, I'll give you one value. And, and, and one of them is called Fish Together. And that's a value that says, well, we as a business and our employees and our team, we spend time together, not only in, inside of work, but outside. It means we treat our customers, you know, like we're a guide. So, so we're their teachers and, and, mm. and, and, and we're you know, we're more involved with them than maybe most businesses would be. Hmm. So a fish together is a value that says how we act and behave amongst each other and with our customers. Hmm. So when we try to find people, we say, is this a value that aligns with you or do you act and behave in this way already? Mm-hmm. Or can you be coached? Yeah. And if you can't, then that's okay. You just, you, you just can't come work with us. Yeah. Right. So that's an example of one value. You and I were talking about that in your vehicle driving over here too, about the way that you select vendors and partners. 
Yeah, I, I think when we select our partners, you know, vendors, it's, you know, they have to have, in some ways, the same values we do, but they're not always aligned. And then you have, you know, you can have issues, you know, pretty quick at times. But I think for us, you know, one of those main values with our vendors is quality. Do they care about the products they're making like we do? If they don't, that's okay. We just can't work with them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you also talked about wanting to do business with people that you like. That's sort of the litmus, first litmus test for you. That's the first litmus test. If we're going to spend 40, 50, or 70 hours a week at times during our busy season Mm -hmm. together, we have to like each other. And that's on many different levels, but it helps. I think it helps everybody when you like the people across you know, that you're talking to and you're working with. Well, especially if you still like them after those 70 hour yes, weeks. During exactly. That. <laughs> you don't strangle each other. So that's, yeah. a, that's a good point. Yeah. Well, your market is super competitive. I'm shifting gears a little bit here because I want to, I'm fascinated by the high end world of, of outdoor products. Um, obviously there's some you can get in low end retailers and stuff. That's not what fascinates me. What fascinates me is your world and other products at the high end. Is it more or less competitive at the high end for products like yours? Well, for fly fishing, I think fly fishing reels have, I would say a dozen pretty good competitors in the industry for able, they're at the tip of that spear. So they're probably the most expensive product. Well, you're like $1,500, $2,000 for a reel, right? Yes. And we say, you know, expensive, it's really a misnomer is that, you know, you buy it once. It, mm-hmm. it hurts once, but if you want <laughs> the hurts. best, it hurts once, yeah. right? But you, when you make the best product, you're always at that top end and, and, and other people are watching you. And, yeah. and plus the industry is only growing at the rate of inflation. Generally huh. speaking, so yeah. three, maybe three and a half percent. So f- for us to grow market share beyond three th- to three and a half percent, we have to be taking market share from other competitors. Yeah. Thus, we have to create those products better than they do. Yeah. I want to ask you about how you're gaining relative share. Sure. First, I want to go back to the, the comment you made, which caught me off guard, which said it only hurts once. Yeah. Because when I think about the people who are buying Ferraris, use that analogy, or who are buying Able Reels at $1,500, $2,000, does it hurt? Or is that like a joyful experience for them to, to indulge in that product for themselves or their loved one? Well, it's a great point. I mean, I get so many calls and emails that say, I took your product on my trip. I had a great time. And it, it was this once in a lifetime event. And it, it was with their best friends or their family. And so those are the stories that yeah. we really love and kind of says what you just said, which is, you know, they're happy to spend that because they get something more out of it than just a reel. You used Cadillac as the other mm-hmm. as the other analogy for um, for Ross reels, mm-hmm. which are high quality, lifetime. They're, they're also guaranteed for life, right? That's correct. So how's that customer different? Well, that's, I really wouldn't say it's a different customer because it's more of a different, you know, features and benefits or, you know, that aspirational brand. Maybe yeah. they don't, don't want the Ferrari, you know, mm-hmm. maybe, but they want something that's pretty close. Yeah. So, you know, for Ross, it's still a product that guides will save up all summer or all year mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. and they'll buy. Yeah. And so that's, that's a great compliment when we get guides buying our product. And typically Ross is what we see the most you know, most of is that, you know, guides are buying yeah, and they're yeah. professional anglers. Yeah. They don't, they, they don't need the Ferrari, they and, don't but they it. want something fantastic. Exactly. So speaking of guides, mm-hmm. how much of your business is driven through guides and high-end specialty retailers? That's a great question. So we used to sell to big box stores up until 2016. Hmm. 
And we made the decision at that point that the specialty retailers is really what the industry's back was built on. Mm -hmm. And they were the ones that are moving the needle forward. There will always be a need for specialty retailers because you walk in, you get fly fishing advice, you get guiding Mm -hmm. services, they're near a river so you know what's fishing well. And we made the decision to support them. And so we don't sell through big box anymore, yeah. only through specialty retailers. But isn't that's that it. harder? It's a lot harder, isn't it? It can be. I mean, there's three or 400 individual customers rather than f- five or six or 20 big customers. Mm. Is that all? Three or 400 r- fly fishing retailers? I would say in North America, that's really? fairly accurate. But then you got everything outside of that, which yeah. is you know, which is bigger too. So how much of the how much is this is guide driven versus the behind the counter driven? I think guides are the authority figures in our industry. You know, we don't have professional athletes in our industry, yeah, but yeah. the guides are the closest thing. So huh. if you go to your guide and say, what do you, f-? you're probably going to use or take their advice because yeah, they're pros. Yeah. And so what's, that's really word of mouth driven, you know, influencers yeah, is, is yeah. what we see a lot on social media, but these are the real influencers. These are the professional anglers. So is, is that one of the ways you take market shares to get your product in the hands of guides? Absolutely. Because they're on the ground level with customers all day, with hmm. usually repeat customers. Are you giving them a, giving them to guides? Our products are like I, I'm thinking maybe that's the thing to do. So it's the highest compliment when guides buy our products, mm-hmm. and the vast vast majority buy. We very yeah. rarely give anything away. Yeah. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Any special incentives or anything for guides? I mean, that's not part of your strategy Mm-mm. at all? It's, it's just not. It's to create a great product that they want to use? Create the best product. And if it's that good, wow. then they'll pay for it. And and, and even, even the professional anglers that see it every day. Wow. So, yeah. So the margins have to be better in specialty product than in what you sell in a big box, aren't they? I would say that our average gross margin is substantially better at the dealers because dealers you know, they have an intrinsic value to sell it at the highest price that they can too. But, you know, the most important thing is that they protect the MSRP yeah. as well as they can. And then they, you know, in turn will police mm. each other. So uh, yeah. so the retailers really, that's the gold standard. Our industry does very little discounting and particularly our products, we don't allow it. Well, how, how does that work? I've always wondered because you can, you can basically not sell through a retailer who discounts your product, right? Yes. And we, we make the decision to say, if you discount the product, then you do not become an authorized dealer anymore. Wow. So they're all selling at the same All the across same the price. United States. And, and, the, and the trick is internationally, how do you do it with currencies and oh, how do yeah, you do yeah, it with yeah. you know, distributors? Yeah. But in North America, we have it pretty dialed in because it's almost a self-policing industry. Hmm. Right? Folks know yeah, what the yeah, other yeah, guys sure. doing across the of street. Of course. Wow. So you've done other things with product innovation too. Uh, one is the actual product, like the reels, you're creating innovation. The others have to do with sort of special things like numbered special editions of reels uh, that Abel's doing. And then uh, there's another great Colorado company called Spiderco. And you were telling me about a partnership with them. So talk about innovation as it relates to Maybe not the uh, the actual product itself, but the I guess other aesthetics and other reasons that people would get it. That's a great question. So so Abel has a unique ability to do custom artistic anodizing, and hmm. we're probably the only company in the world that I know of that can do it. At this point, it's such a good trade secret of ours that hmm. it's unique, and people you know, oftentimes will actually approach us. So describe one for listeners. What does that look like? So a good example of folks can close their eyes and imagine the steal your face logo from Grateful Dead. It's a very mm. iconic logo. You mm-hmm. see it on the back of trucks and it's that, yeah. it's basically that skull with the, 
um, you, with the lightning bolt through yeah, it. It's red, yeah. and, you know, it's red and blue. So we were able to take that and apply it to our products. And the Grateful Dead loved it so much hmm. that we did three editions in 2013 and then 2014 and 15. And that just creates another way our product is used. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's collected and not actually fished. And wow. so that's really where we opened up the market to a different type of customer. Hmm. Yeah. So you've got people who are fans of Grateful Dead who don't fly fish who are buying that product? Absolutely. Oh, and, my gosh. Oh. And, and, <laughs> and you know, that was a really specific band that we chose because huh. it's not, you know, I mean, nothing against like the Taylor Swifts of the world because, you know, we have some <laughs> folks on our staff that love yeah. her. But yeah. Grateful Dead has a very iconic following. And so you get huh. a different customer. But is there some kind of a match between the demographic of fly fishermen and people who like ACDC or Grateful Dead, people who you've, or Johnny Cash, you create a product. Yeah. I think there has to be because that demographic had a certain age when that was extremely popular. And that's really one of our big And that's the matching demographic. Ah, But you also, just so listeners know, you've also done some really beautiful things that resemble fish, right? Absolutely. We work with um, a couple of artists. One of them is is out of uh, the East, Andrea Larco, and she's Mm. just an independent artist. Mm. Derek DeYoung out of Montana, and John Osiris out of the Pacific Northwest. Well, and this product you created with uh, Spiderco, this knife, Mm -hmm. is anodized uh, to look like fish. Right. We went, we, meaning Craig Baker, our vice president, and myself, went out to Golden, Colorado, where Coors Beer is, across the Rockies, about three years ago. And we left a fish graphic fly reel for one of the owners. And they were unsure if they wanted to work with Able, just a lot of reasons. A, their product's in high demand, and B, they didn't know how we would do it. And so for about two years, folks were walking into this gentleman's office and asking what the heck that thing was on their desk picking it up, playing with it, asking who made it, why it was so cool. And finally they called us and said, we're going to do it because your product's awesome. And everyone's mm. asked about it all the time. Mm. Mm. So that's how the Spyderco deal came about. It was, it was fun. It's, that's cool. And it still is. They're, they're, you know, they're a company that has very similar values as we do as far mm-hmm. as quality. And so it's yeah. easy to do a product yeah. like that yeah. with yeah. them. Yeah, because you trust, you trust each other. There's a respect and trust that yeah. is the fundamental of any relationship. And mm-hmm. they – and. We have it with them. Exactly. Yeah, that's cool. Call it fish graphics. It's $495 for a pocket knife, right? Yeah. I, I Even the highest end pocket knives are like $300. Yeah. So how does that happen? It happens because, A, we took a, a steel that Spyderco uses, uh, I would say not too often. It's called LC200N steel. So mm. it's from Germany. It's imported. It's higher quality and it's very mm-hmm. expensive. We mm-hmm. put that in the knife and we upgraded the actual cutting materials in it. Mm-hmm. So it's a better product from a, you know, from a cutting perspective. Yep. But these graphics are hand done. So even mm. if you buy one, you know, Dave, it's going to be different than the one I buy. Yeah. Done on the same day by the same person. And at $495, you said you're backordered. Yeah, we have backorders. And so, and we're in our season. So we got to get <laughs> these things made and you can't, yeah. you can't make these products faster because right. they're high quality. Yeah, yeah. And they're hand done. And so the challenge is trying to temper the customer expectations. And then hmm. obviously the price will do that too. The higher the price, the less sure. the less you get yeah. you know, yeah. in demand. Well, business school would say, well, if you're sold out, you should raise the price. But at some point that just becomes 
Yeah, it becomes un. Yeah, <laughs> customers be, don't like it. No, no, yeah. there's there is a limit, and and I think you know the power of the Able brand is that we have increased the prices over the years, but mm-hmm. demand hasn't changed. Yeah, we've increased them because it's expensive to manufacture in the U.S. Yeah. because yeah. we you know, the cost of our raw materials have gone up. Mm-hmm. But by and large, when 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 you have a brand and you increase the price, you can determine its strength by the customers right. how that demand is is then changed. Is it is it up right. or is it down? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think uh, my observation is. Is that the brands don't want to push it too far. They don't want to create frustration among their customers. So, right? I mean, that's uh, it's fair. I mean, you want it accessible, and, yeah. and that's and that's really why you have you know a Maserati or you know a Ferrari or or you know different brands that are maybe different price points. Yeah, same yeah. company though. Well, you guys are about more than money too. I'm going to shift gears because. Um, you're a certified B Corporation. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just donated 41 riverfront acres uh, to Montrose. And uh, so talk about that and how it fits into your business. Well, that's a great question. When we, f- when we first took over in 2014, we, we, we came to Montrose and we thought, where is Montrose A? Mm-hmm. And B, we probably need to move this company if we want to take it to the next level. Fast forward almost five years, and it's really become a great public-private partnership with the city. Hmm. We decided to stay and build the new headquarters that you saw. And in doing so, we really felt an obligation to be a good member of the community. And because we're a fishing company, we wanted to be on a river. And we wanted to have people have access to the river. And so we took our property that was adjacent to it, and we actually gave it back to the city. Hmm. The idea was to get more kids and families outdoors, enjoying the river, fishing, yeah. Being together. Well, so you've got a few, you're touching a few people, which is really great and gratifying. You're not going to build your market by the number of people that get to use the land outside your building, right? So more broadly, does how do those kinds of actions impact the way your company is performing? Well, there's this idea of no margin, no mission. And this idea says that you can run your business extremely well and make a profit. But at some point, how you give back is a critical component of it. And so it's not just about making stuff and building stuff. Sometimes it's about doing the right thing. And that's this idea is, well, how do we create an environment that people want to be in, come to our factory, enjoy our facility? But how do you be a good member of your community and maybe leave it a little bit better than where you found it? Mm-hmm. And so that's that idea is, is it's not just about the products we make. Yeah. It's just about being a good neighbor. Is, is that driven by business or is it driven by personal I think that's motivation? personal because yeah. you see businesses that don't do it. Yeah. And then you and then I think it only matters, though, you know, for us is because folks know our product and they go, OK, why should I buy from you? Because yeah. most people buy. They don't buy what you do. They buy why you do it. So that's an important part of what we do. Hmm. Do you think when you're selling your products and, you know, Simon Sinek famously famously said that people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. So do do you put anything on your boxes that say, we just gave 41 acres of riverfront property to the city of Montrose, right? Or how how do people know why you're doing things? We don't really tout that like we should. We just You think you should? I think we probably should. I, hmm. I, I do know folks know we give 10% back of all the gross sales of every USA main reel back to conservation. I think generally folks know that. If they don't, that's another reason to hmm. buy our product. But I think we could. I think I saw that in really little print it's on your website. Little. So, yeah. you know, other brands 
Tom's Shoes is so famous for, you know, saying, Patagonia. if you buy a piece of our, you buy our shoes, we're going to give them another pair to somebody in Africa. And that's what they did. And they, but, you know, a lot of brands make a big deal of it. Mm-hmm. Do you, should you be making a big deal of it? Or do you like the way you've chosen to do it? I think we've, we've genuinely wanted to do it the right way. And I don't think we've shouted it through the rafters, yeah. you know, maybe like others would. Mm-hmm. But it's just like when someone asked me, well, what's all this outdoor recreation stuff mean? And I yeah. said, well, you're seeing what it means. It means cleaner rivers, more trails, more public open space. And I think they go, yeah. I kind of like this outdoor yeah. recreation thing. Do you think your customers put two and two together? Do you think they they are more likely to buy Ross Reels or Able Reels because you're genuinely dedicated to protecting the environment they enjoy? Do you think they actually know that? I think if the product is good, then the story matters. And hmm. the, and, it, and so, yes, hmm. I think they know at some point if they really mm-hmm. become, you know, yeah. partners with our company, they come yeah. and take a tour like you did and they yeah. learn those things. Um, do you think the guides know that? Most of them do, but, yeah. but I think there's a lot that don't outside Colorado. Yeah. That's an interesting, maybe that's, maybe that's for 2020. Yeah. Maybe this conversation will stimulate a whole new, who knows, or you guys are already plenty successful. Thank you. So are you keeping up with demand? It's interesting question. We, we are pretty much at capacity. So the Mm. expansion of the factory came at the result of demand and, and our season's short. So we have to deliver Mm -hmm. very, very high volumes in a short time. So So what do you do with labor and all that when you. Right. I mean, do you do you vary your labor and produce more at certain times and produce less at other times? Very rarely. Yeah. That's why people like working there. We don't yeah. we don't have seasonal employees. We yeah. we'll take interns in the summer. Yeah. And those are students in college, but but very rarely yeah. seasonal employees. Well the nice thing about your product is it is kind of small. You can store it if you want to. You can create inventory, but obviously you have to be careful, right? You don't want to have too much. Correct. And uh-huh. I think the key with that is that we've you know, we've taken the strategy to release product in the off season. So typically mm. you're you know releasing them in May, June, July, August, September. Oh, We're yeah, choosing yeah. to release them in February and October, the mm. shoulder season. So, so demand is less fluctuating. Oh, so for us, sense. there's a higher need for production all year, all year. because wow. of that approach. So you, because of the release, the way you choose to release things, you end up with a steadier demand Correct. flow. And then in the holidays, you see a, a, big, a big spike. spike because of course. Of, so really our demand is all year now, whereas it mm. used to be in a shorter eight, wow, eight months. Wow, that's really smart. Yeah. Really smart. Uh, last question for you, which is kind of in the wrap-up phase of this conversation, and that's keeping focused on the theme of Proco 360's podcast here, world-class entrepreneurs who choose Colorado. What have you found about the Colorado entrepreneurial environment now that you're here? That's a good question. I think being an entrepreneur in Colorado is like being on a team that you don't know you're on. Because I can pick up the phone hmm. and call folks, and there's connections everywhere in the wow. state. I think they're proud to be here. I think if you're an entrepreneur, there's quick connections because of like-minded activities. Mm-hmm. You're doing things outdoors, mm-hmm. typically. Mm-hmm. And that's what I found, is people are willing to help, and they're willing to give you, you know, almost mentoring without you having to go and ask for it. It's, it's like a team you don't know you're on. That's it's, a it's, cool way to put it's it. It's the best way I can say it. Wow. And. My last thinking is you and I were talking a lot about how you weren't really into manufacturing before you took over this business. You were a fly fishing guy who thought this was an interesting opportunity. What have you learned along the way that you feel proud that you've been able to achieve not even knowing what you needed to do coming in? I think it's aligning the vision of a community and a business. Wow. 
together. So we took a lot of time to get the city involved in our project and this river conservation. And that's been really fun to learn is the value of your community and the public-private partnerships that you can make. Do you think that has helped you be successful? Absolutely, because mm -hmm. it, it forces you to think a little bit more holistically than just about making stuff or making money or doing things. It, you know, you think about where you live mm -hmm. and in a different way, not just from a profitability standpoint. You think of it from, well, how am I going to leave it? Mm -hmm. has, that, perspective. has that helped you attract, retain people? I would think it has, but maybe not. I think so, yeah. but, but I think... More importantly, I think it's 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 helped us be a good, solid member of the community that other mm. folks are proud of, and they want to come by for tours just because that you know they you know, they see us being successful. That's cool. It's got to feel more gratifying than absolutely beyond you know beyond yeah. the beyond the bottom line gratifying. A absolutely, yeah. and that's kind of the point of of that. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Hey, let's wrap up here. Is that okay with you, Dave? No problem. Good. Hey, I'm your host, Dave Tabor, and today on Proco 360's Pro Business Colorado, you've been listening to my conversation with David Dragu, CEO of Mayfly Outdoors, with subsidiaries Ross Reels and Abel Reels. David, thanks again. It's been a fun conversation. My pleasure, Dave. Good to be here with you. Uh, and listeners, thanks for joining me on Proco 360, where we say live, work, love Colorado, because you and I and my guests can be successful anywhere and choose Colorado. You make the show successful by subscribing to the Proco 360 podcast and submitting a review. Please take a moment to submit a review. It helps a ton. Thanks again to show sponsors, Microstar Keg Logistics, Community Banks of Colorado, Hinsley Meetings, and the Colorado Chamber of Commerce. And thanks again to our hosts here at Cherry Creek Studios in Montrose. That's the show. Live, work, love Colorado.